You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Greedy with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. James Harden got what he wanted, but was that a good move? It is Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh on the Super Bowl Eve Eve and the day off the trade deadline. We are in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph, good morning. How are things? Things are fantastic, Mr. Carlin. 48 hours away from Super Bowl Sunday, Vegas. The action's picking up here. We got NBA trade deadline action. Action would be the word of the day, in my opinion. Action, my friend. And we have got all of it later on. We've got your opportunities to make money later on. Joe has got his prop bets. I have got mine. We want to hear from you at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. But we begin with Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Guard James Harden gets what he wants, a trade to the 76ers. Point guard Ben Simmons gets what he wants as well, a one-way ticket out of Philadelphia. This could potentially, not definitively, go down as the worst day in the career of Daryl Morey. The worst day. The bigger question to me is, is this going to be the worst day in the career of James Harden for asking and getting himself out of a situation with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to move on to Philadelphia? Look, Harden's the winner here of the day, Joe, because he got what he wanted in all of this. Inexplicably, he wanted to get away from Kevin Durant. I I don't get it other than being annoyed by everything that's gone on with Kyrie Irving. But at the same time, you're going to Philadelphia now with Joel Embiid. It's the move the Sixers had to make because they could not afford to waste any more of Embiid's prime. But I would argue that if you're James Harden, it's put up or shut up, and you have put more pressure on yourself as opposed to the situation that you were just in. Let me ask you something. Do you think Harden is aware of that? And then the follow-up to that is, do you think Harden cares? Because this is not the first time we have seen this. Yeah, the first part of it is, yeah, I think he's aware of it. And second part is, no, I don't think he cares. And this is, think about this, slightly over a year separates the two times that he has just sat out and quit on his team to get exactly what he wanted. And Joe, to me, it's one of those things of be careful what you wish for. And this is no surprise if down the line it doesn't work out in Philadelphia. Now, let's start by saying Philadelphia had to make this trade much like the Nets did. Ben Simmons wasn't playing and Harden was ready to quit on the Nets if he hadn't already. So both teams were in a bad situation from an on-court perspective and from a cultural perspective. So they make the swap so they can get something for nothing. All right. It had to be done. Great job by both teams. But Harden in the short term versus Harden in the long term are two very, very different conversations. James Harden didn't just have a problem with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. He didn't just have a problem in Houston at the end when they were trying to rebuild around him. He had a problem before that when he had Russell Westbrook. He had a problem before that with Chris Paul. And he had a problem before that with Dwight Howard. He has a history 
of falling out with just about every single person he plays with, whether it be stars like Paul, Westbrook, Durant, and Irving, or whether it be a rebuild project like what he had in Houston. He comes to a situation in Philadelphia where I would imagine early on it's going to be like any romance. Everyone's going to be very excited. You're going to have your head in the clouds. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everyone's going to be cheering for you in Philadelphia because as unlikable as James Harden can be, Chris Carlin, as unlikable as he can be, he's stepping in for the least liked player in franchise history (laughs) in Ben Simmons. So he's got a real opportunity there. But long term for the Sixers, I would be very, very worried about how this is going to play out because I don't know how the Tiger's going to change his stripes this time around. Well, from the Simmons point of view, uh, the bar is set low for Harden to exceed that. (laughs) So that won't be a problem. But as we listen to Zach Lowe from the Low Post podcast, This is really it for James Harden. This is it for James Harden. His postseason resume is justifiably defined by meltdowns. Three 2 of 11 games. Three games in which he shot 2 of 11. The criticism of his postseason performance is not unfair. It's not cherry-picking. It has been below his standard, more so than it has been for almost any other superstar in recent NBA history. That, combined with all of this drama that he's left in his wake, look, It's time. The time is now. This is it. He has put himself in this situation, Joe, and he now has a tougher road to win a championship, I believe, than he just left. I think it was a lot easier if Kyrie is back and mandates get lifted here soon and the Nets are in a good position with a healthy Kevin Durant for them to go and win a championship when they were almost in the conference finals last year, if not for the big toe of Kevin Durant when Harden was hurt for Pete's sake. And now he is going to Philadelphia to play for Daryl Morey. Say what you will about Daryl Morey. He's been a bit of an enabler for James Harden before. Okay. They have a great relationship and Harden loves working with him. Why? Because Daryl Morey does what James Harden wants to do. And how is that going to work now in Philadelphia? Because Morey has done everything he could to position himself as Joel Embiid's guy, and that's part of why Simmons really wanted to get out of there. Yeah, and Maury, to his credit, deserves credit for being able to execute this trade because when this all started with Ben Simmons, Simmons had made it clear he was not going to play for this team. And when that happens, you lose so much negotiating leverage when you're trying to swing a trade. And we've seen this happen in the NBA before. If you want out, you've got to work behind the scenes quietly so that the team feels like they can get some value in return. And a lot of these situations have ended up with a trade pennies on the dollar. Here, Maury was able to execute a deal where he brings in James Harden, his guy, and gives himself an opportunity moving forward to compete for a title in the Joel Embiid window. But Lowe's right to an extent. I would throw in there that while Harden has come up short on the big stage, he also had to deal with a dynasty in the Golden State Warriors when he was playing in Houston. And there were opportunities to get past the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Durant went down the year before when they had the series lead and Chris Paul got hurt. They had a game seven at home. What's that? They had a yeah. game seven at home. They, they, they could not get it done. They had opportunities. He, a lot of people are going to hate this analogy. And I, I'm going to acknowledge that in advance. They're going to hate this analogy, analogy. But Harden has some Oscar De La Hoya in him. Their careers parallel each other a little bit. People are going to drive around and say, how can you say that about De La Hoya? He's one of the greatest of all time. De La Hoya took on everybody. Everybody. But De La Hoya also lost pretty much every big fight in his career. Pacquiao, Mayweather, Hopkins, Shane Mosley twice. 
Felix Trinidad. Those are all fights on the big stage under the bright lights that Oscar De La Hoya lost. His marquee wins are Fernando Vargas, Ike Bazooka Corte, and Julio Cesar Chavez, who was on the back nine of his career at the time. No disrespect to Oscar De La Hoya because I love the fact that he took on everyone. But on the big stage, De La Hoya came up short more often than not. And that's Harden's career. He puts up big numbers in spots that don't necessarily matter. And then when he gets to the biggest of stages, he has not been able to close the show. Yeah, and I mean, listen, Ike Bazooka Corte is genuinely often referred to as the Oklahoma City Thunder of boxers. <laughs> and, and from that I was wondering what you were going to do with that. <laughs> well, but to this point, though, here we are now. He has opted into his contract for next year. If you don't win a championship in the next two years, are you handing James Harden a ridiculous contract? Think about what it could be. In fact, actually just let Bobby Marks, ESPN's NBA front office insider, explain it. I don't want to be the one who's piling on James Harden right now in Philadelphia, but I'll say this. In three years, and I know it's all about winning a championship, we're going to be talking about James Harden like we're talking about Russell Westbrook and like we're talking about John Wall from a contract standpoint. And that that contract will be the worst contract in NBA history. Mm. $62 million. That's if he signs it, and that's if Philadelphia offers $62 million when he is 38 years of age. Absolutely brutal, and that's something they're going to have to think about in the future. But in the short term, Harden wants to win a championship. He got what he wants, and now he has to get it done his way, and he's never done that before. That's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when do you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. So that's the James Harden part of it. But what about the Brooklyn Nets perspective? You go from the big three to bringing in the big enigma. How will that all play out? Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. The blockbuster is done. James Harden is headed to the Philadelphia 76ers, and Ben Simmons is going to be a net. I got the plan, I got the fan, I got the keys, yeah. Philly should be the favorite to win these. They have the best duo in the game of basketball. You gave them Ben Simmons with KD and Kyrie. They are better 
This Eastern Conference yep. is a monster now. That road to the championship just got a lot harder. The question is for who? Because you can look at this a lot of different ways. It's Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenbaugh in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone, auto zone. So we spent the first few minutes talking about the trade from the James Harden perspective. And now we flip it over to the Nets and the Ben Simmons perspective. Now, we don't have an idea about when we're going to see Ben Simmons actually on the floor. He is joining the team immediately. But as far as getting the trade done itself, we did get a chance to hear from Kevin Durant last night during the All-Star draft that took place on TNT and here he was on the trade finally going down I'm excited for our team looking forward to finishing the season out um, with these new groups and these new players and you know it's uh, playoffs right around the corner so we got a fast track into you know getting getting used to each other but I'm, I'm excited you know I think everybody got what they wanted I, I feel like we got versatile players so we'll have to figure it out and, and figure out what works for us but I'm just Happy that we got guys that want to be a part of this. Joe, the Nets did get an exceptionally versatile player. And Ben Simmons can distribute the ball brilliantly. He is an elite-level defender, and he is a really good rebounder. But we all know where he struggles, and that is shooting the basketball. For me, Kevin Durant now has it on him. He came here in the first place. He trusted Kyrie. That was questionable at best. And now you have Simmons here who can do a lot of different things. People will argue that Ben Simmons, all he has to do is defend and distribute and and make sure that he rebounds well because he's not going to be shooting the basketball. That's all fine. You know that the ball finds you in critical times, and I think we all tend to oversimplify things. It's up to KD to make sure that Ben Simmons is going to get on the same page with what they are doing in Brooklyn. Oh, absolutely. To your point on Kevin Durant, he's in an interesting situation because if he is unable to at least reach an NBA Finals outside of his time post-Golden State, all of his championships are always going to be viewed as, well, that was you joining the Warriors. You joined Steph. You joined Clay. You joined Draymond. You joined a team that had already won one. I'm not saying that's fair, but that's how people come at you. People come at Aaron Rodgers because he only has one Super Bowl win. People did the same thing to Peyton Manning until he got the second. That's how the criticism comes down. So for Durant, it's going to be imperative that he finds a way to fix this situation in Brooklyn and get himself to at least the NBA Finals so he can show to the world they don't have a great argument when they point to the Golden State era. For Simmons, this is an excellent opportunity because he has to look no further than the guy he was traded for to understand what his legacy is going to be about. Harden is known as a bad teammate. He has a history of being a bad teammate. We talked about this earlier. In Brooklyn, in Houston with Westbrook, in Houston with Paul, in Houston with Dwight Howard. That is his legacy. That is his thing. He is not a good teammate. Simmons is a guy who had one bad situation in Philly. Now, if he comes to Brooklyn and he has another bad situation, 
That's a trend. If he comes to the situation in, in, in Brooklyn and he flips the narrative, he becomes a great teammate. He becomes a guy who seems to have it all together late in games. I'm not saying he has to knock down game-winning buckets. That's what Durant and Irving were for. But if he is able to take that next step and he's only 25 years old, he can always point to Philly and say they were the problem, not me. Much like Matthew Stafford, who's trying to rewrite his legacy, could never win the big game, everyone said when he was in Detroit. Now he's playing in the Super Bowl. People have moved past that. Simmons has a huge opportunity in front of him, but if he falls on his face in Brooklyn and has a falling out with his teammates or late in games can't handle the situations, this is going to be a guy who, much like James Harden, is remembered for anything but his on-court production. First and foremost, he has to fit in. He has to fit in with two established stars who have both won championships, and that's on him, and you're right. 25 years old, this is your chance. This is a crucial juncture in the career of Ben Simmons to prove that you're not a malcontent and you're not the guy that has been portrayed as to what happened in Philadelphia. Now, he didn't do a lot of things along the way to help himself. But I do think now, as I mentioned a second ago, that there is a feeling that all the pressure is off of Ben Simmons. Take a listen to Tim Legler on what we should expect from Ben Simmons. Tim, of course, of the NBA Today trade deadline special yesterday, ESPN NBA analyst with an interesting thought about how he's going to fit in Brooklyn. He's not going to be much of a factor other than as a guy that can occasionally get downhill and finish, but I think primarily as a guy that can screen or be a weak side cutter when KD and Kyrie draw multiple defenders, he can slash and cut, get into the lane and operate. I think the biggest benefit by far, though, is going to be the fact that he takes so much pressure off of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to have to guard the best perimeter players every night on these other teams. This is where the true benefit of Ben Simmons is going to be. The fact that he is that elite-level defender and can guard anybody one through five. But, Joe, I worry about this idea that everybody wants to simplify it and say, well, he only has to come in and do this and this and this. Well, what happens when Kyrie is hurt? What happens when somebody can't go in a particular game and Ben Simmons has the ball in his hand a lot? For instance, Joe, right now Kyrie still can't play in Brooklyn. The Nets are going to have to play two different ways. You'll have Ben Simmons playing in the front court when they're playing on the road and Kyrie handling the basketball and Simmons doing all those kinds of things. But then when they're playing at home for the time being, he's going to be handling the ball and bringing it up the floor and having to be responsible for scoring more. He's capable of scoring. He's capable of getting to the basket, but it's the other parts of it. Do you think we're going to see Hackaben at some points? I'm pretty sure that we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the biggest question he's going to need to answer. The falling out with Embiid, look, that stuff happens all the time across all professional sports. Odo Beckham in New York. Odo Beckham in Cleveland. Now he's with the Rams. Things are looking great. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. The, the list goes on and on about teams and coaches, players and coaches, players and players who do not get along. It's the story as old as time with professional sports. But for Simmons, that's going to be the thing everyone's looking forward to. How are you going to handle end-of-game scenarios? Getting hacked and going to the line, that's absolutely one thing. But what are you going to do if you're underneath the basket being guarded by Trey Young, who's a foot shorter than you, late in a playoff game, and instead of dunking it, you dish the ball off? That is the image seared into the mind of every Philadelphia 76ers fan across the globe, of which I am one. He's going to need to answer that because no one's questioning 
His defense, his ability to guard all five positions, his ability to bring the ball up the court, his ability to rebound, none of that. You're questioning whether or not he can handle it in the big spots in the big game and whether or not he can knock down some free throws. Because the last thing you want to do is acquire a high-priced piece of talent and have to sit him on the bench late in game six or game seven because he can't handle the spot. We'll get to the aspect of when we can expect to see him here in 30 seconds. AutoZone has the free services you need to help you get back on the road like their free AutoZone Fix Finder service. The AutoZone Fix Finder service not only identifies the check engine light code, but also helps identify the most likely cause of the check engine light being on. The information provided by the free AutoZone Fix Finder service is verified by data from over 5.5 million ASE certified technicians. With over 5,600 locations nationwide, AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Get the job done, because getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So, Ben Simmons hasn't played all season long. It has been about him sitting out, about him not being mentally ready to play. He has been doing everything that he is supposed to do contractually with the Sixers to stay in shape and to train and to do all the things he needed to do to get paid during this leave of absence. But what does it mean in terms of when he will be ready with the Nets? Here's Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, on when we're going to see Ben Simmons. I don't think we see Ben Simmons until Kevin Durant's healthy. I think that's just the reality because you're not putting Ben Simmons on an island by himself at home when you don't even have Kyrie there, right? Like, you can't you can't do that. So that, I mean, having Durant and Irving on the court, whether it be a road game, I mean, I think... I don't even know what the schedule looks like, but Durant and Irving have to be there when Simmons gets his first start. Listen, I don't think they want to put Simmons out there by himself without at least one of those other guys. You may worry about the pressure. To me, I want to get the guy on the floor as soon as possible. And I can't worry about if we're really going to baby him at every turn here, isn't that problematic in and of itself? Don't I need to find if there's... There is some early mental toughness to get him going, even if it means that Durant's not on the court yet. Is it wrong to ask why it takes so long to get him on the court? If he's been sitting out all season, knowing basketball's taking place, knowing at some point he could be traded, shouldn't he be ready to go somewhat in the very near future? I'm not saying day one, like the guys traded from New Orleans to Portland, like you got to get out there in the first couple games. But does, do we really need to talk about three plus weeks to get ready? Shouldn't you be in shape, need maybe a week to two of scrimmages, and then you're good to go? Is that is it? I, I, would, think it's a, I would think it can't be three weeks. Uh, I would agree with that. And if you're going to wait on Durant, you know, the Nets aren't in the best position to begin with. I almost took what we heard from Durant before and saying, you know, looking forward to playing the rest of this season, almost like, all right, we may not win the championship this year. Let's see how this all fits together for the rest of this season before we're thinking about what happens next year. You know, Durant's the guy that has signed the extension. Now that Harden's gone, Kyrie's not necessarily a concern at the moment, but the window's closing. The window's closing here. When you see a LeBron James team down in the NBA, you can't punt on a season. 
That, that, this is the guy who went to, what, nine, ten consecutive NBA finals? When LeBron James is down, that means it's time to eat. For the other 29 teams, probably not because you still have teams like New Orleans and Oklahoma City and Houston who have no chance whatsoever, but that's a story for another day. When a LeBron James team is down, that means it's a feeding frenzy. That means you can have Milwaukee versus Phoenix coming out of left field to play each other in the NBA Finals. So to consider the idea of maybe it's not this year, maybe it's next year, that's a dangerous game you're playing And Kevin Durant should know that more than anyone else, considering the injuries he's undergone over the last few seasons. Meanwhile, come Sunday, it is finally here. Super Bowl 56, the Bengals and the L.A. Rams, and it's going to be an amazing matchup. L.A. was good! Was good! The pressure's still on Sean McVay and Les Snead because they mortgage off the future to win the Super Bowl, not just get to the Super Bowl. It's fascinating. It really is. Chris Garland, Joe Fortenbaugh, in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We turn our attention to Super Bowl 56. Welcome in ESPN NFL analyst Tim Hasselbeck with us. And, Tim, you know, you look at a game like this, we've had two weeks to analyze it. We're less than 48, or we're coming up on 48 hours away from kickoff. So just right off the bat, what has your attention As an analyst, what really fascinates you leading into this game on Sunday? Yeah, it's a lot of what everyone has been talking about, which is, you know, the offensive line for Cincinnati against that front for the Rams. And, but I I think, you know, more specifically, it comes down, I think, in many respects to the right guard position for Cincinnati. They've been juggling guys at that spot because of injury and performance. um, And, uh, you know, quite honestly, when you think about, you know, probably the best pass rusher, interior pass rusher in the game, uh, it's Aaron Donald. <laughs> so um, that, to me, you know, ends up probably being the thing that, you know, can disrupt the game the most for Cincinnati and, and really probably just the biggest advantage, matchup advantage that the Rams have. Tim, if you're the Rams and Sean McVay, how do you want to attack the Cincinnati defense? The last two weeks, you went against the Niners and the Bucks, two of the best units in the NFL. The Bengals are a step down from that, although they played great in the second half against the Chiefs. The Bengals have to be thinking, look, we got to find a way to limit what the number five passing attack in the NFL is capable of doing. So if you're Sean McVay, are you thinking about getting the running game going early in this one to take advantage of what the Chiefs were able to do, which was run for 5.8 yards per carry against this Bengal defense? I think what we're going to see uh, the Rams do, I think Sean McVay's offense has a chance to look a lot like Kyle Shanahan's call in the game. Like, like so to answer your question, like, are they going to run it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think they're going to run it, but I think they're going to run it to allow McVay to control the game with the type of passes that he calls. Um, and so if you think about it this way, like Cam Akers hasn't rushed for over 55 yards in a game this season. Obviously, wasn't available for much of it. Uh, but he's also had games where he's at like 24 attempts. So uh, I, I just I don't think they can just line up and pound you. Um, I, I just I don't think that that's how they're they're kind of designed. But what I do think is you're going to get a zone run that looks like the zone pass that comes off of it. I think you're going to see a lot of that. And what that also will do, it gives McVay an opportunity to kind of control what Stafford's looking at to prevent him from kind of making a silly mistake. 
Tim Hasselbeck joining us, ESPN NFL analyst. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker. Tim, no Tyler Higby, it looks like. How much is that going to impact the Rams' attack? Yeah, I think that's significant. You know, um, look, is it as significant as, you know, some of the things that they've dealt with this year? No. I mean, like the loss of Robert Woods, I thought was, I mean, that was a really big deal. And so, but, but yeah, look, it's significant. Uh, you know, and then on the other side, like TJ Uzama, it seems like he is going to, you know, be able to give it a go. But like, what will, what will that look like? Um, so while I do think it, you know, it's a tough break for the Rams. Um, you know, if he's not able to go, which appears to be the case, like, like I think there's some of that going on, you know, for both sides. And, you know, ultimately, um, you know, the things that are designed for players are going to be for Chase and Higgins, and they're going to be for, for Cup and, and OBJ. And, you know, I think those are the guys, you know, typically speaking that in the passing game anyhow, that, you know, these guys are trying to get the ball to. I'm not going to ask you to lock in on any prop bets, but I am going to try to guide you in the direction of some prop bets and see what you think, (laughs) and then we can make the decision from there. For those of us who are trying to evaluate the type of game Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase will have, knowing that one of the best corners in the business, Jalen Ramsey, could be marking up on him for quite a bit of this matchup, how do you see Chase performing from a receiving yards perspective on Sunday? Is he in line for a big game, or do you think it's going to be tough sledding? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have 260 like he did against Kansas City in the regular <laughs> season. But um, here's what I think is the the unknown. I think if they're going to play him straight up, then and it's Ramsey or somebody else. Like, like I think that would favor Chase. Not to say that he's going to have some like ridiculous day, but like look the way the rules are set up and how like it, it's hard to do that. Now I think if if the Rams and they may do this just because of the number of pass catchers Cincinnati has. Like, if I were the Rams, I, like, I, I would double Chase, and then I would put Ramsey on Higgins. And so, you know, will they do that? I'm not sure, but gosh, that, that, that's what I would do. I, I think Chase proved enough that you don't want to isolate him. I don't care who you're playing. And so... um Look, if you don't think they're going to do that and they're going to roll the dice with Ramsey, then I think that Chase has a good day. ESPN NFL analyst Tim Hasselbeck, one more before we ask you for your uh, prediction on this game, Tim. And and I just want to go back to Burrow being protected. And the fact that we saw Joe Burrow get sacked nine times in a game and seemingly be unaffected by it, is it possible that we could actually see that again? And how remarkable was that for you to see a guy perform like that with all of those hits that he took? Yeah, I, listen, I think we're all on board. Like, hits on a quarterback are cumulative. I've never seen a guy that's not impacted by it. Um, you know, he seems to be less impacted by it than others. All of that to say, look, I think that Tennessee game, you know, while he was sacked a bunch, the reason that they were able to overcome it because Tennessee stunk on offense. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, a great pass rush and the quarterback's getting hit and you're off schedule and all of that stuff, um, 
I just it's hard to overcome. Now, did they do it against Kansas City? Sure, they did. Um, but to do it again in this game with the sheer volume of guys that you know that have the ability to get to the quarterback, uh, you know, I ultimately think that. Um, Look, I've been impressed by Burrow as it is, but like I, I think that's going to be the, the task that I'm not sure he can overcome. But if he did, yeah, it'd be remarkable, Chris. Moment of truth. Who wins and what's the final score? Yeah, so I, I'm picking the Rams to win the game. You know, I think I, I, I picked like a cop-out score when I picked it. It was like 24-17 or something like that. I actually think the Rams, um, you know, could beat them more significantly than that. Um, and I listen uh, just to kind of, I know you didn't ask, but I think Aaron Donald ends up being the MVP. I, I like, I think it's going to be that disruptive of a defensive performance. It's a championship defense and they're playing a bad offensive line. As a man with a few bucks on Aaron Donald from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Awesome stuff. Appreciate the analysis as always. See you, fellas. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. MVP number four for Aaron Rodgers, who looked like Jackson Maine up there last night from A Star is Born, accepting that award at the NFL Honors. It is the Lakers and the Warriors tomorrow on ABC and ESPN Radio. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Steph Curry is going to be in the zone. In the Zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone AutoZone. Let's listen to Aaron Rodgers accepting his fourth MVP award last night at the NFL Honors. I'd like to thank Matt LaFleur and his perfectly groomed eyebrows. <laughs> Where are you at, Matt? There you are. Bree, thank you. Great job tonight on those. But in all seriousness, two out of three years winning this thing, you're a huge part of this. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for trusting me. 
supporting me, empowering me, and making things easy for me. <laughs> so friendly and likable. He really is. And, boy, everybody's getting along, aren't they? So many nice words for Brian Goodacoon. So many nice words for Matt LaFleur. Do you buy for one single second that any of that means that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back in Green Bay? Because I do not. No, not at all. I mean, if you're Rodgers, you got to understand last season from a preseason standpoint to a regular season standpoint, and then even in the postseason with what happened on the field, it was a PR nightmare, an absolute PR nightmare. Stealing the spotlight on NFL draft day to make it about you rather than the kids who are coming out of college to, to fulfill their NFL dreams because you were disgruntled in Green Bay is a bad move. It got you in the, in the headlines, but it got you in the headlines negatively. Then you move into the season with all the what-ifs. Then there's the entire vaccination situation. Then you flame out of the playoffs yet again. You won the MVP from an individual standpoint, sure. You got that award, but PR-wise and postseason-wise, it was a failure yet again. So why not reboot? Why not try to play nice? Why not try to figure out how to do some damage control with some of this? I'm not saying anything he said or did was necessarily wrong. I'm not going to take stances on that. I'm just going to say if you want to get your way, if you want out, if you want to try to swing some things in your favor, you got to play nice for a little bit. And that's, I think, what he was doing last night. Don't make it about you. Try to be graceful in the moment. He did a nice job of that. Whether or not he's going to leave or come back, I don't think he has a better situation outside of Green Bay because anywhere else he goes, he does not have the goodwill he has built up in Green Bay. You go to Pittsburgh, they expect results. You didn't win them a Super Bowl. In fact, you took one from them back in the late aughts against Ben Roethlisberger, right? So if anything, these other cities, they're going to look for you to deliver right away. You are not going to get the grace you get in Green Bay. First of all, I'd argue that maybe they blame Richard Mendenhall more than they blame Aaron (laughs) Rodgers in Pittsburgh. But... I don't think that Green Bay is the best place for him to be. You know, if if you tell me that Devontae Adams and everybody's going to be back and they're going to actually figure out what the salary cap is, then okay, I buy it. But Aaron Rodgers is going to have opportunities elsewhere. And I think, frankly, he's looking at what Peyton Manning did. He's looking at what Tom Brady did. And you can be a quarterback who is an all-time franchise great and go somewhere else to win one. And I think that's what he wants to experience. And the way he handled himself last year, or this past year, was poor, and it got him nowhere, and it frustrated him. So what do you do? You change your tact. You make everybody feel like, I love you guys. This has been such a collaborative effort. You're amazing. And then you try to get what you want out of that. I... Do not expect him to be back. And look, if you really want to throw something up against the wall, there's an opportunity for him and Tampa Bay to go win a championship now. Oh, do you want to follow (laughs) Brady? Because Brady delivered immediately. If you don't deliver, to be matched up against him with yet another data point that works against you in the GOAT conversation. I know he's not the GOAT, but some people try to make the case for him. That ship sailed a while ago. (laughs) That ship sailed a while ago. And I think he will go wherever gives him the best chance to win. We're making you money next hour. Sit tight. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.